preparing our kids for an overly sexualized world. How to talk to your kids about sex and porn coming up next on the podcast. I'm Natalie Tisdall, a journalist who decided enough is enough. I left a career that looked glamorous to do what I was scared of doing, going out on my own. I'm a married working mom of three. On this podcast, we're going to talk about issues that really matter. Why am I not sleeping? What's up with that diet everyone's talking about? Are my kids falling behind? How do I leave that job and start over? Welcome to the Natalie Tisdall Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, friends. It's Natalie. I appreciate you being here today. I am off to a running start in 2023. And the topics I have planned, well, they're big. I'm excited to share them with you. I'm focused on helping you explore the latest in faith, health, and positive relationships. It's my goal to give you resources and ideas that impact your life in a big way. And please, Subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. My guest today is Kath Hackinson, a registered nurse, midwife, and expert on sex ed and relationships. As a parent herself, she knows all too well the struggles and challenges that come with talking to our kids about sex. She found herself squirming when her own daughter asked her questions about where babies come from, and she worried about saying too much too soon or inadvertently encouraging her to be sexually active too early. But as Kath will tell you, the more she talked to her kids about this, the more open and honest their relationship became. Now she's here to share her journey, also her tips and advice on how to start and maintain these really difficult, but very important conversations with our children. Also, we need to help them navigate this often confusing and overly sexualized world. So let me just also say this, all of this might make you uncomfortable. I totally get it. Parenting is tough, but as you're going to hear us discuss today, if we don't have these conversations, our kids are going to learn about sex and all about sexuality from someone else, or even worse from the internet. We're going to use words that might make you squirm. They might make you cringe, but again, Better to talk about it now than have issues later that are even more difficult with our teenagers and our younger children. We're also going to talk about the impact of porn on our kids. Yep, it's a jam-packed episode today. We all need to take this very seriously. So buckle up, prepare yourself to learn and grow as we dive right into the topic of sex education for kids with our expert, Kath Hackinson. Kat, thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. This is a topic a lot of parents struggle with. So let's dive right into um, maintaining good relationships, open communication with our young people. And we're going to hit on lots of different ages today because we, I know we have to start these conversations early, but sometimes it's, it's those hormonal ages, the preteen and the teen, where it starts to become um, more of a topic of conversations that we need to have. Yeah, definitely. It's that age where you walk into the schoolyard and you see your friend, your child, and their friend walks by and they're wearing a bra or they're, you know, <laughs> six foot tall. And then it's like, oh no, puberty's on its way. And that is the time that many of us think of it for the first time. I agree. Do you think it's important that, and, and I think the generation that we grew up in, at least here in America, I know you're in Australia, we didn't talk about these things very much. It was kind of like you figured it out through your friends and you learned on your own. But what do you think in these healthy relationships is a good time to start the conversations with your kids about 
sexuality, about sex in general, or hormones, or all of these things? Well, according to the textbook, it starts from the very beginning. So I've just finished a book on talking to kids about private parts, and I've actually got a whole section in there on babies and toddlers. And as I was writing the book, I was sort of thinking about, you know, in an ideal world, which none of us live in, but in an ideal world, conversations would start when kids are younger. And that would be little things like you're in the shower and they go, where's your vulva? And you go, oh, I've got a penis. Or where does the baby come from and things like that. So we have this, children have this natural curiosity and they display these behaviours and that's sort of the perfect time for us to come in so that what we're doing, because sex education isn't like this thing of a, a list of things that some academic has made up that we talk about. Mm -hmm. It's actually a whole lot of conversations that are wrapped around healthy child development and also their natural curiosity and also conversations that we might want to have to keep our kids safe. So ideally, conversations should start when they're little and they should continue through right until they leave home and even afterwards as well. And then there's not this um, aura of shame around it or, oh, I can't talk about that. Or I hear experts often say, like your take on calling things something other than what they are. So, you know, goofy names for body parts and things like that, that you hear sometimes that there's some level of shame around that. Like we can't say the real word. No. And we've got no good examples. Like I could probably count on one hand how many people I know who actually had positive conversations with their own parents mm. as a child growing up. And I don't know about you, but I know with my own parenting, I reflect on what my parents did with me and what I don't want to do with my kids. But I also look at my other friends and I learn from how they parent. But sex education is like this private part of parenting. Mm. So we don't have many memories to draw back on but we also don't go to the park and see someone doing sex education with their five-year-old so yeah. we can't learn from what other people do so it's like this secret thing and then we've got all these shame and memories and things as well about it so it does make it a hard topic to talk about for a lot of parents and it's not for grandparents who might be listening or you know our parents it's not that they did something wrong they didn't know any better we learned so much it was that generation where yeah. it was one talk, which if we think about is totally crazy. Most people, you know, to get everything you need to know about how to have healthy, loving relationships in a 10-minute awkward conversation isn't enough. So luckily we have realized now that one conversation isn't enough and it's about lots of conversations. So if we start those conversations when our children are very small and then they grow into the age where, okay, now it's real and yep, my voice is changing, my body is changing, my friends are talking about this. I'm thinking some people listening are at that stage and they maybe haven't had those normal conversations when their kids were little. What advice do you have for them to launch into these conversations without the weirdness of their kids being, ooh, mom, I don't want to talk about that? There's lots of different little things you can do. First thing you can do is go grab a book. There are some fantastic books for kids on puberty. There's even comic-styled ones, and there's more touchy-feely, new-agey ones. There's lots of different types. So you can grab a book and you can say, hey, I saw this book at the bookshop today. It's about growing up. How about we sit and read it 
tonight and we read a chapter every night or we read mm. it on the weekend. Um, so you could start a conversation that way and then it can be just a matter of grabbing what we call teachable moments, which is, you know, you see an ad on the television for pads or tampons and you go, oh, that's a period product. The blood's red for a change, not blue. And then you might talk about how crazy it is that we advertise these products about blood, but we have to have blue blood. and Or you might talk about deodorant as you're walking down the deodorant mm. aisle at the supermarket. So it's about just grabbing opportunities to talk. But the easiest way is probably with a book because you can then read through the information, answer their questions and talk about what this all means. Absolutely. And it gives them a chance to feel like there's a little bit of a guidebook and it's not you just bringing things up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it normalizes it well, I think, mm -hmm. with books. When it's in a book, it means that it, you know, it's something every day that other people will have and talk about as well. What are some of the other issues? I, I, you know, we are facing as parents now such different issues where it might have been when, when we were young, kids were exploring sexuality differently, or maybe they saw a Playboy magazine or, you know, the, the Sears catalog where women were in bras and it was like a big deal or, but it is everywhere. I mean, for kids who aren't having these conversations, they just pick up a phone or they just sit down on the internet and things are coming at them that we would not have ever been exposed to. How as parents, can you advise people to deal with that? Because I read once, and I'm sure you have the statistic that by the age of eight, kids have seen some form of pornography and just haven't told you about it. Yeah, and it's because that's the age of curiosity. And this is the whole thing that when you look at healthy development of children, they get that some kids start to be curious about bodies. They're noticing that if they see, you know, I hop on the bus with my son who's 13 and we'll go through Northbridge, which is a nightclub area, and someone will walk past drop-dead gorgeous and very voluptuous sexual clothing and he'll turn around and look and you can't blame him and he's getting aroused or stimulated by these images or it's attracting him. I don't think he's getting aroused in the bus with me but he's seeing stuff and this is an age of like 13, it's natural curiosity but this I was noticing from the age of about 9 or 10. So they're starting to notice bodies because even though puberty is not happening on the outside, changes are happening in here and so they might notice that they see someone walk past with big breasts and that their penis feels a little bit funny or they feel a tingle down there and then it happens again so then they come home and they'll google big boobs or something mm. and they'll find and guess what comes there. up yeah 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 and yeah. it's interesting because parenting is so different nowadays because of the internet and at the end of the day if we're not talking to our kids about sex someone else is going to be doing yeah. it. yeah and they're going to be saying stuff that you may not want them to know mm. or hear as well yeah it's it's scary because someone else is teaching them and we don't even know they're being taught that and you know we can we can protect them and some ways and we know maybe what they're learning in school but boy it's it's everywhere and and we can't take it away from them we can't we can't take the internet completely away from them it's how our society functions yeah and this is the thing we need to teach kids about the the great parts of 
the internet. It's like social media. There's a lot of positives for social media, but there's a lot of negatives as well. And this is why we need to be talking to kids about this sort of stuff and making sure that, you know, I believe that as soon as you hand your kid their, their, your phone at the supermarket or when you're sitting at swim lessons or something, that you should be having conversations with them. As I've had so many parents reach out to me and their kid has been sitting on the, on the bench next to them with their phone watching porn and they've mm. been totally unaware of it until, you know, one day they grab the phone off their kid to text someone and then here's this, you know, porn being streamed. Um, it just happens from such a young age that we need to be having these conversations because um, if we don't, that's when we start to see problems presenting yeah. with how our children behave. Hey everyone, it's Natalie. I am excited to let you know that I'm opening up spaces for collaboration and advertising and sponsorship on this podcast and on my YouTube channel. If you're a brand looking to grow in the wellness, family, or mindfulness spaces, I would love to collaborate with you. You can find a link to get in touch with me in the show notes, and you can always find out more about what I'm up to on natalietisdall.com. Well, let's talk about that a little bit more. So a kid maybe comes across something on the internet. They don't know. I mean, they might have a feeling this isn't right, but what do we do? And what if, what if parents find out this has been happening and they, they're trying to stop it, but now the kid is addicted mm -hmm. because they, they like that arousal or it's, you know, I mean, there are major ramifications of this through life. Porn is interesting. From my experience, the kids that have to deal with it on their own, it can become problematic because they're dealing with these feelings that they don't know what to do. And we're talking about brains that are still developing. They have yeah. problems with impulse and making smart decisions and stuff. Um, so porn can be really problematic for that. But what I've noticed for the kids that are having conversations with their parents and have got some knowledge of media literacy where we can watch a movie and something happens. Like we were watching some movie the other night, The Kingsman, with my kids, and there was a character who had prosthetic legs and she was doing all this crazy stuff with it where in fight scenes. And I was saying to my kids, wow, do you reckon people can actually move like that with these legs? Because they looked quite springy. Mm. But then we had a conversation that, yeah, okay, it's a TV show and a movie, so I doubt very much she can do it in real life. But mm. that's media literacy. And if we can have these conversations with our kids, um, they then go to see something on, they might then see pornography, and hopefully there's a little voice in the back of their head that's saying, okay, not everything you see on TV is real. So how much of this of what I'm seeing actually will happen in my bedroom one day with someone? So we can have conversations with kids about interpreting media, but then we can also have conversations about being a good person, about being ethical as well. And this is why that having ongoing conversations with our kids, being open, honest, positive, and 
talking about stuff like this means that you can watch a movie with your kids and there'll be a sex scene and you can talk about how that sex scene isn't lifelike. Like Outlander, um, they pride themselves on the fact that their sex love scenes are more realistic than most things on TV. Mm. So I could be watching that with my daughter and we could be talking about it. And I could say, hey, I read the other day that on Outlander, their sex scenes are supposed to be realistic. I guess, and then we could talk about how, you know, on movies or in porn, it's not realistic. So you can sort of segue into mm. other conversations. But the main thing with, I guess, pornography is that we need to be having these conversations and kids struggle when they first come across pornography because I, I struggle myself. When I was mm -hmm. writing some content for my porn course, I remembered this website that I'd found and it had, Natalie, it had the best information about the porn talk for parents. And I was thinking to myself, well, if I can find this website, why reinvent the wheel? Because they had great info. So somehow I found the bit of paper that had the name, plugged it in, the site had expired and a porn site had bought it. And I would encourage parents like, okay, so they're listening and they're like, oh, I can't believe you're talking about this. I can't believe you just said that. Like, I know it's uncomfortable, but I would encourage parents, as you said a minute ago, either you do it or someone else is going to as hard. I mean, nothing about parenting is easy, really nothing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so have yeah. these hard conversations oh. because it will, it will, it will change oh. your kid's future. It's worth it. It's definitely worth it. And it's not as if you're going to be having deep and meaningful conversations once a week for the next five years about porn. You might only need to have like a couple of more deep and meaningful, but it's just those random comments that you make that yeah. let kids know that you can talk about this stuff and to get them thinking about what they see on the media can help yeah. dramatically with yeah, when they come across well, it, it's as you said a few minutes ago, like when, okay, so we both have 13 year old kids and you know, they're hearing these things at school or somewhere. They're going to ask someone because they need to know. And if they don't feel comfortable and they don't have a friend who, who knows what a friend is telling them, uh -huh. um, they're going to sit down like everything else. They're going to Google it. Yeah. They're going to Google it because they just need to understand why things are happening in their bodies um, or why they feel a certain way. Mm. Oh boy. Okay. So I want to talk <laughs> about, I want to talk about healthy relationships mm. um, because I think that especially at this tender age is hard too. We hear so often and people will joke around again. We both have 13 year olds. Do you have a boyfriend? Do you have a girlfriend? And I'm thinking, Oh my goodness, they're 13. They do not know what having a boyfriend or girlfriend or relationship is about. They're, they're worried about getting their homework done today. Can you talk a little bit about healthy relationships and what that means and age appropriate and things like that? Yeah, healthy relationships, it's a core part of sex education. So a lot of the middle school and high school and senior school programs will talk. They're real rebranding it now, not calling it sex education, but they're calling it respectful relationships or healthy mm. relationships. So puberty is very much that age where friendships start changing and they're wanting to fit in. They're trying to work out who they are, but they want to fit in and follow everyone else mm -hmm. so they get bullied and picked on. And they're also starting to want to be grown up, which means they're starting to think about romantic friendships and relationships as well. And we've now got a lot of research that tells us that domestic violence is often a 
I wouldn't say I'd just say it's almost a value. It's a value that's instilled um, during school age, childhood, um, teenage years. So there's a lot of research now that says that if we can have conversations with kids about respectful relationships, consent, um, how different people get along, all that sort of stuff, that can have a big impact on how they then make decisions as a young adult and as a teenager sexually. So as a parent, where does that put us? I guess it's about just talking about relationships in general. So if you're watching a TV show like um, Vampire Diaries mm -hmm. and some of those Buffy shows, um, a lot of the shows from the 80s or 90s that tweens and teens like to cult watch are fantastic for talking about healthy relationships. I watched a Doris Day movie the other day, Calamity Jane, and there were examples of no consent and the way they treat women. Mm. And so watching TV shows like this and just talking about things as it comes along can just help with respectful relationships. Things like having pets, teaching kids to be respectful of their pets, teaching kids to understand their feelings from a young age so that if they're feeling angry, they can vocalise that mm. because when they're in a romantic relationship with someone, they're going to be having feelings then. And if they can't even vocalise or name, you know, having like some of the basic emotions, they're going to struggle with some of that sexuality stuff. So there's a whole lot of stuff that happens around healthy relationships. And a lot of parents are worried about it because of consent. A lot of mums of boys are worried. They don't want their son to grow up being disrespectful and mm. allowing, you know, a girl to get gang raped by a bunch of guys just because they think it's something fun to do. And they also don't want their daughter to be that victim who's sexually assaulted as mm -hmm. well. So a lot of parents are quite concerned about having these conversations. Um, so there are a lot more books now that are coming out and stuff. But the problem is, is that, you know, you've got a 13 year old and you've got two older kids. They mm. hit an age where if you ask them to read a book, no way they're going to read it. So we have to, and it's crazy. There's like, we have to have the conversations. We can't force them to read. <laughs> there are so many consent books out there for teenagers. And mm. I, I think it's probably more sex educators and parents that are reading them rather than the teenagers. But still, it goes back to that conversation and ongoing as well. Um, luckily, if kids, oh, mind you, you're in America, it's different. Um, but even in Australia, we don't always get decent sex education. But the thing is now with social media and stuff, and even TikTok, there's a lot of education happening on TikTok, on YouTube and oh, stuff yeah. as well. So hopefully, I think what will happen is they're sort of the places where a lot of teenagers are getting this information. But we need to be coming in and sharing our values as well, because at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. My values about how I believe people should be treated or what I want my kids to do, not necessarily the values from the TV shows that they're watching or the kids they're going to school with. Yeah. I mean, I love social media, but I don't want it to be the educator of my children uh, because there's a lot that, you know, these, the shorts, the, the 10 second things, they can learn a lot in 10, 15, 20 seconds. Um, that might not be the values you have in your family. Yeah. Oh boy. I think sometimes, I just want to say one thing. Sometimes yeah. as parents, we see the glasses being half empty. 
Mm-hmm. We look at all this stuff and it's like, you know, bus goes past with a Victoria's Secrets model on it. Or I went for a walk the other day with my son only two days ago and there was a condom on the street. So we stopped and looked at it and I said, do you think someone's used it or they were just being silly with it? But this was just two days ago on the footpath three houses away. Wow. Um, and sometimes we see the glasses being half empty. So I could have gone home from that and I could have thought, oh, you know, I think we need to move to another part of Perth, you know, maybe living in a nightclub area where isn't the best place to grow up kids. Or I could turn around and see the glasses being half, you know, um, half full, mm-hmm. not half empty. And I could go, wow, I have got so many opportunities to talk to my kids about the, inf- the negative impact of drugs, the negative impact of alcohol, safe sex, prostitution, homelessness, mm. I could I see all these opportunities and they're opportunities for me to talk rather than to sit there and despair. So I just want to say that, that, you know, we're talking about all this stuff and people could be listening and thinking, oh, God, this is just too hard. But it doesn't have to be. And I think yeah. it's about us seeing all this sexualization and all this negative is actually a prompt for me because I'm like you, I'm busy. I don't, you know, I've got this checklist of things I feel I should do as a parent and I've got more than enough mummy guilt going on about the things I haven't done and to then for me to say, yeah, you should be having all these conversations. But seeing life as a glass (laughs) half full, all this negative stuff out there makes my job as a parent so much easier because it provides me lots of opportunities to talk to my kids about Well, and as you said that, yeah, I'm thinking, okay, I don't, I have my to-do list right here on my desk. It's not on my to-do list to talk to my 13 year old son about condoms and sex right now. It's not on my to-do list. I, I know it needs to happen. However, if I was walking down my street and I saw a condom on this, I think, I think the first thing I would do would be, I would find something to pick it up with. <laughs> I wouldn't just pick it up and I would throw it in the trash without him seeing it. I think that's what I, and I think that's what a lot of parents would be like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that's terrible. But yet turn that around, like you just said, and use it because it's not on my to-do list to say, oh my goodness, let's get something to pick that up with. Why? And use that, as you said, as a prompt. Um, that's not what I, I don't think I would have naturally done that, but I'm, I'm, I'm seeing things differently and knowing that I have to have these conversations so use those opportunities. Hopefully that doesn't happen, but maybe it's a TV show <laughs> or something else, a social media post oh, that I run across. Yeah. Oh, you have opened my eyes. <laughs> and I think for a lot of people, their ears too. Mm. We cannot put this under the rug and let the world teach our kids about sexuality. We just can't. No, we can't. And I think we also have to remember, it's like learning how to cook. You don't learn how to bake a really nice cake the first time you do baking. That's right. That's and right. Sex education is very much that same thing. Yeah. Buttons are going to get pushed. You're going to get mm. triggered. You might get asked a question about abortion and it might trigger a memory from you of when you might have had to have an abortion when you were 18. Mm. Um, so sometimes we get triggered. Sometimes we squirm. Sometimes we blush, sometimes we laugh, and sometimes we have great conversations. Mm. So I think yeah. we need to be mindful of that as well is that, you know, sex education, it's like learning a new skill. We all start off a little bit rusty. You know, yeah. I still screw up conversations sometimes with my kids, and I teach others to do this. So mm. tell mm. me about um, where people can learn a little bit more and your book projects, website uh, for those who want more information. 
So my online home is Sex Ed Rescue because it's all about rescuing parents with sex education. So my whole mantra was about I found sex ed hard myself as a parent and I was working as a sex therapist when I had lots of qualifications and experience and I found it frustrating that I couldn't find the information that I wanted. So I decided to create this space and I decided to make it an online space because of the shame associated mm -hmm. around sex and stuff. So what I do is I create resources. So I've got the website, which is like, you know, the place to go to to find what you need to find. And then I write books about the tricky things. So my son was rolling around on the floor a couple of days ago and he had a post-it note stuck to his foot and he pulled it off and it said porn. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> My next book's going to be pornography. So that was the post-it note that labelled the porn box. But um, <laughs> So that's where I am. So I create, create the resources to make conversations simple. So as I said, my latest book at the moment is a book about penises and vulvas. It's like all the conversations <laughs> that you might want to have about genitals. But I break it down and simplify it and show parents how to talk in an everyday way about stuff. And I hold their hand and I don't just say do this I go you can this is how you can do it so um, I just appreciate I how open you are I've loved our conversation and how you make it fun and just so easy to talk about these things and, and you're so encouraging and I, I appreciate that oh, thank you <laughs> and take care and I hope to talk to you again soon thanks Natalie thank you for joining the Natalie Tisdall podcast you can follow along on Instagram and at natalietisdall.com. Subscribe to the show to catch every new episode and leave a review so I can continue to bring you fresh content. See you next week.